Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Opening Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Due to the amount of things I'm going to cover today's message, I won't do any of the previous review, but how many of you were here in the last two weeks in our message? So that's the majority of you, but if you weren't here, go and subscribe to the podcast or download the message for free on the website so you can catch up this week because we've been laying a foundation to where we can go to today. So make sure you listen and catch up. Now, I'm going to address the different fallacies people present that are targeted today to keep people from receiving the word of God. Now, when you look at it, it will seem like it's only targeted towards one race. But when you study out its impact, it's being used against multiple races to keep them from receiving the word of God. So I'm going to walk through these fallacies and what the Bible actually has to say. So you guys ready for your notes? Fallacy number one. Because the Bible was used to enslave Africans... It cannot be true, or it is outdated and no longer relevant. Oh, I'm going to get into it today. (laughs) Fallacy one, because the Bible was used to enslave Africans, it cannot be true, or it is outdated and no longer relevant. Now, if you want my notes, I put them on the Bible app, and of course, you can download them for free. You can find the link on Twitter and Facebook as well. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, start with verse 1. Notice what Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The New American Standard Version says it this way, but we have, announced the, we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. The message version says, and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. The Amplified Classic Edition says, we refuse to deal craftily to practice trickery and cunning or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about a group of individuals who are preaching the word of God with ulterior motives. They're using the word of God deceitfully to get what they want and making the word say what it doesn't say. Now, one of the things you have to understand about the Bible, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. You can twist it. You can take one scripture out of context. And especially if you do it to people who can't read. Y'all not going to be quiet today, are you? Especially if you do it to people who can't read or you take the Bible from them to make them think they're only dependent on what you have to say. That's one of the things we, why we teach at Faith. You're under no obligation to receive anything from a preacher if he can't prove it to you from the book. So Paul's talking about a group of individuals who would take the word of God and twist it for their own purposes. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. 
Notice what the apostle says. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife. That's not a good motive. And some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I then do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. What is Paul saying? There are people who are preaching the gospel to try to mess with me. Their motive is thinking is they're going to make it tougher for me in prison. So they're preaching what they preach. They're preaching right, but their motives are wrong. Go to Matthew 23. So we see people preaching the word deceitfully. We see people preaching with wrong motives. This doesn't even cover people who think they're doing right, but just preach the wrong thing. Matthew 23. What did Jesus have to say about this? Dressing the Pharisees. So you have to get to a point where you just don't believe something because you heard it. You have to research it for yourself. That's one of the reasons we're doing this spring break camp, because we tell our kids and the teenagers to read the Bible, but we run into a lot of kids who can't read. So what do we do this spring break camp? Help them learn to read. What's going to happen after we get this up and going? We'll help adults who can't read too. Matthew 23, verse 2. Notice what Jesus says, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. What does this mean? They are preaching the right things with the wrong motives. And through their preaching, they are weighing people down and not helping them live it. They're doing all these things for show. Jesus said they're preaching the right things, but they're doing it the wrong way with the wrong motives just to be seen. So when you look at these passages, you see people who, yes, are preaching the anointed word of God, but they're doing it wrongly, weighing people down, ensnaring people. And there is a penalty for that. But that does not mean the word of God is not true. Example, how many of you are happy that you have a chair to sit on right now? That you don't have to stand for hours? How many of you guys that chair has a cushion on it? That we don't have those old pews. Now, that chair is a blessing to you, right? Now, I could take that same chair and wally-wop you offside the head with it. Right? Is that chair still a blessing? Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. I thought you just said that chair was a blessing. But a chair used for the wrong purpose it's not a blessing to you, even though the chair is a blessing. 
Just because someone used the word of God wrongly does not mean the word of God is wrong. American pastors in the South and slave masters handled the word of God deceitfully and perpetuated slavery. So it is true that American Christianity perpetuated slavery. This leads us to fallacy too. Because American Christianity perpetuated slavery, the Bible condones slavery. Fallacy number two, or falsity, or a lie. Because American Christianity perpetuated slavery, the Bible condoned slavery. One of the things that was preached and believed by many Christians, even up until the last century, is what we will consider fallacy three today. Fallacy three. Because God cursed Ham, his descendants, Africans, were destined to be slaves as the judgment of God. Because God cursed Ham, his descendants, Africans, were destined to be slaves as the judgment of God. How many have ever heard the curse of Ham before? Go to Genesis chapter 9. So let's address these three fallacies with the truth and see what the Bible actually has to say. Genesis 9.18. Genesis 9.18. This happens after the flood. Known as family are the only survivors. Genesis 9, verse 18. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman and planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. So he drank the wine he made, got so drunk, he threw off all his clothes and fell asleep. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. One of the things as you read these passages, theologians still debate. They don't know if Ham just mocked his father because he saw him naked or if he did other things to him while he was passed out. So when Noah wakes up in a hangover, he said, cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So people would use this passage to say, the reason why Africans should be slaves is because God cursed Ham. Number one, God never cursed anybody in this passage. Nowhere in this passage says God cursed Ham. Right? How many of you just read it with me? Number two, Noah cursed Canaan, not Ham. Noah cursed Canaan, not Ham. 
Who were the Canaanites? They were those who lived in the promised land before Israel moved in. The Canaanites did not live in Africa. The Canaanites did not live in Africa. Those who lived on the African continent came mainly from Ham's children, Cush, Miserium, and Put, not Canaan. So this passage of scripture was twisted to preach the enslavement of black people. And as you can see, there's no justification for it. Right? Now, does the Bible condone slavery? What happens in modern days is Westerners read an Eastern book, which the Bible is, an ancient book, and they apply modern definitions to ancient terms. So when Westerners speak of slavery, they think of the Atlantic slave trade. And this error is still passed down. They apply their current definitions to ancient terms. Let's see how this doesn't work. Go to Mark 10, 35. Mark 10, 35. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we will that you should do for us whatsoever we desire. And he said unto them, What do you want? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one at your right hand, and the other at the left hand, in your glory. But Jesus said unto him, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto him, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism I am baptized without, you shall be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Underline that word or highlight that word minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Underline or highlight that word servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto or came not to be the servant, to be so, become an object of servitude, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, I didn't come for people to serve me. I, the Son of God, came to serve others. Why is this important? This word minister comes from a Greek word, which means an attendant, a waiter, or a servant. The word servant here is the Greek word doulos, which means slave. So Jesus said, if you want to be first in my kingdom, be a slave to everybody else. Go to Matthew 25. 
Not sure how many amens I'm going to get in this message or how many likes I'll get on Facebook, but it's okay. Matthew 25, verse 21. We know this parable. We've taught on this parable. And this phrase is something every believer wants to hear from Jesus when they get to heaven. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful. That's the Greek word doulos, which means slave. So all believers want Jesus to say to them, well done, you good and faithful slave. Acts 4.29, the apostles and early disciples called themselves slaves. Romans chapter 1 verse 1, Paul called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. James 1 verse 1, James the brother of Jesus called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.1, Peter called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. Jude 1.1, Jude the brother of Jesus called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. When you read Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, the book of Revelation was given for the slaves of Jesus. Luke 1.38, Mary, the mother of Jesus, called herself God's slave. And John 13, Jesus put on the garments of a slave and did the work of a slave and told his apostles to do the same thing in serving one another. With all of these references to being a slave, the slavery of the Atlantic slave trade and the slavery mentioned in the Bible cannot be the same thing. It is not the same imagery. But what happens is as Westerners in modern times, when we hear the word slave or servant, we think about the past 400 years. But this is not what they are talking about. Now to go further, the Atlantic slave trade and the slavery spoken under the law are not the same thing. Go to Exodus 21. Because other people began to say, well, the law says that slavery is okay. Exodus 21, verse 16. So I'm going to give you six points to prove to you what the law talks about is not the same thing as the Atlantic slave trade. Look at Exodus 21, verse 16. And he that steals a man and sells him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to what? Kidnapping from Africa and the north were at the heart of the Atlantic slave trade. Under the law, if they did those things, they would have been put to death. Skip down to verse 26. And if a man smite the eye of his servant, or the eye of his maid, that it perish, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth, or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. If a slave was injured, they were set free. Those enslaved in Atlantic slave trade were abused, mutilated, tortured, and raped. Go to Leviticus 25. It's not the same thing. So you can stay woke all you want to. <laughs> Leviticus 25. 
Verse 39. How many of you can see just a little bit of difference right now? Leviticus 25. Look at verse 39. And if thy brother that dwells by you wax and poor and be sold unto you, you shall not compel him to serve as a bondservant, but as a hired servant. And as a sojourner, he shall be with you and shall serve you unto the year of Jubilee. And then shall he depart from you, both he and his children with them, and shall return to his own family, and unto the possession of his father shall he return. The Jews who sold themselves into slavery because of debt would be free at the end of seven years. How many see just a tad bit of difference? No such system existed for the victims of the Atlantic slave trade. And notice here, the system of slavery is to pay off debt. And notice that you aren't to treat them as a slave, but as a hired employee. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it you shall not do any work. Then he lists that you shan't work, your son shouldn't work, your daughter shouldn't work, the servants shouldn't work, the animals shouldn't work, the foreigner shouldn't work. Then he says again that you, your servant, and your maidservant may rest as well as you. There's no system of rest in the Atlantic slave trade. But also notice here, God put equality. He said, they're going to rest just like you. You are not better than them just because you have more money. There was no equality in the Atlantic slave trade. It was based on racial inequality and viewing the Africans as subhuman. Go to chapter 15 of Deuteronomy. You see, people have twisted this 400 years ago to enslave people, but then now people are twisting this to say you shouldn't believe the Bible. Deuteronomy 15, verse 12. Let's see if you guys can spot this difference. And if your brother, Hebrew man or Hebrew woman, be sold unto you and serve you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him out free from you, you shall not let him go away empty. What? You shall furnish him liberally, liberally, out of your flock, out of your floor, out of your winepress, of that wherewith the Lord your God has blessed you, and you shall give unto him. And you shall remember that you were a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you thee this thing today, and if it shall be, if he say unto you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house, because he is well with you, then you shall take it all and thrust it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever, and all you should do on your maidservant, you shall do likewise. 
It shall not seem hard unto you when you send him away free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant to you and serving you six years, and the Lord your God shall bless you in all that you do. Let's look at both areas of this. It says, when they fulfill paying their debt by that seven year, you are to send them away, but you're not to send them away empty. Say, well, you paid your debt, bye. Furnish them liberally. Or give them something to start a new life with. And don't be stingy. Fill their house with stuff. The other part of it says, if they say, I don't want to leave you, I want to serve you and your family for the rest of my life. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. If the conditions under the law were the same as Atlantic slave trade, people wouldn't want to do that. They would get free as quick as they can. So what happened is they took them in and paid off the debt and treated them like family and said, I'd rather stay with you for the rest of my life. It's not the same thing. If they chose to leave, they were not to be sent away with nothing. They were to be given more than enough to start their life over. If they wanted to stay, the reason was because they loved their master because of how he treated them. This was nowhere close to the conditions the victims of the Atlantic slave trade were forced to endure. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 23. See, people today are twisting this and teaching it to all races of people, saying you can't believe the Bible because the Bible endorsed this. And you can't fall for that trick. Deuteronomy 23 verse 15. Sixth one. You shall not deliver unto his master the servant which is escaped from his master unto you. He shall dwell with you, even among you, in that place which he shall choose in one of your gates, where it likes him best, you shall not oppress him. Unlike the old South, where fugitive slave laws required all runaway slaves to be returned, the Bible says the exact opposite of foreign slaves on the run. He says, if you run into a slave who ran away from his master, you aren't allowed to turn him in. You aren't allowed to bring him back. He is to pick out wherever he wants to live among you, and he lives there, and you better not bother him. In addition, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Isaiah, and David, and the prophets were referred to as the slaves of the Lord using the same Hebrew word. And in Isaiah 53 and Zechariah 3, the Lord Jesus is prophetically spoken of as the slave of the Lord. The Atlantic slave trade and slavery spoken of under the law are not the same thing. Fallacy number four. The apostle Paul supported slavery. Fallacy number four. The apostle Paul supported slavery. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Is this helping anybody today? Ephesians 6, starting with verse 5. And as you turn there, I want you to think of something. Who is the audience of Paul's letter? The church. The blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled believer. He is not writing to society at large or to its institutions. So whatever Paul says, remember, he's also well-versed and trained in the law of Moses, which we just read. And when he addresses slavery... 
He's not addressing slavery of the Atlantic slave trade. He's talking about slavery in the Roman Empire. Roman slavery was not based on race. Roman slaves' occupations range from manual labor to doctors and accountants. It's not the same thing. But notice what Paul said to them in the Roman Empire. Starting with verse 5. Servants, doulos, slaves, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Most people stop there if they want to twist it. Not with eye service as men's pleases, but as the servants or the slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening. Knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Notice what he's saying in verse 9. To the masters, do the same things, or in the same spirit, treat your slaves as Jesus treats you. These masters were not even allowed to threaten their slaves. Go to 1 Corinthians 7. I want to take you through Paul's thinking. So you can't fall for that fallacy. Notice what he also said in that passage is, neither is there respective persons. What does that mean? He sees you all as the same. So he's telling the masters, you are not greater than your slave. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Are you called being a slave? So did you get born again and you're a slave? There are a number of Roman slaves who got born again in the early church. Care not for it, or don't think yourself as some low person because you are a slave. But if you may be made free, use it rather. So if you can get free, then get free. Paul's endorsing get your freedom. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant or Christ's slave. You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Right? You see that? So Paul is telling them to give their freedom, but look at it this way. You are bought with a price. You serve Christ. Don't be anybody's slave. And the same implication is if Jesus bought them, you shouldn't be buying people. Go to 1 Timothy 1. Been waiting for months to preach this. 1 Timothy 1. Verse 9. 1 Timothy 1, verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. Notice what's in the category of the lawless and disobedient, the ungodly and the sinners, the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers. 
for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So everything he listed, he said, it is contrary to sound doctrine. What does that mean? It is contrary to the true teaching of the word of God. What is men stealers? It is those who kidnap others and sell them into slavery. This is defined in the category of sin, lawlessness, and the disobedient. It is called contrary to sound doctrine or the correct teaching of the word of God. Go to Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. See, what they said Paul said is not what he actually said. Colossians 4 verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants or your slave that which is just and equal. What mindset do, are they supposed to do this in? Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Treat your slaves as just as is right because you have a master too. This word gives is the same one we see in, later in Paul's writings saying to trust in the living God who gives you richly all things to enjoy. This can't be the same thing. But look at verse 9. Let me prove it to you a little bit more. Because what we're about to read is how Paul got really bold on the issue. He said, with Onesimus, he's closing his letter, a faithful and beloved brother who was one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which you are done here. So he's sending these group of people back with a message. They're delivering this letter. And what does he call Onesimus? A faithful and a beloved brother, Right? Why is Onesimus important to this issue? Onesimus was a runaway slave. Onesimus was a runaway slave. How do I know that? Go to Philemon, the book of Philemon, the small book you usually skip over. Philemon, starting with verse 1. It's after the book of Titus, before the book of Hebrews. Doesn't even fill a full page. Philemon 1, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So Philemon, he's a fellow laborer in the gospel. He's greatly loved by Paul and many people at the church. Now let's start with verse 7. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. He says, Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the heart of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ, because it is a right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, 
Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for the preaching of the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, but as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor of the, for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One thing, one more thing, please prepare a guest room for me for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Notice what Paul said in this letter. He said, I could command you to do this because it's the right thing to do. But because of our relationship, I'm going to ask you. He told him to receive Onesimus back as a beloved brother and to treat him as he would the apostle Paul. Paul adds that if he owes you anything or has stolen from you or wronged you, I'll pay for it. So notice that when Onesimus left, he probably stole something. And notice he said, I'm sending him back and if he owes you anything, I'll pay for it. But let me just remind you, I won't mention it, and then he mentions it. <laughs> you owe me your soul. Philemon, if you didn't forget, God used me to preach the gospel to you, and without me, you'd be going to hell, just so you know. So Paul's attitude says, it's the right thing for you, brother in the Lord, to treat him as a brother. In the New Testament, there is no way you could continually abide by the law of love and the writings of the New Testament and participate in the Roman system of slavery, much less the Atlantic slave trade. Under these many scriptures, you will be compelled to treat them as your employed relative whom you would free according to the law. Because if they were your relative, even in Christ, you would not send them away empty-handed, just like the law taught. The same Bible used by slaveholders deceitfully to enslave man was used correctly by abolitionists to free them. The majority of the abolitionists were Christian. They read the Bible and said, this isn't right. There is one man of God who got so bold with it, and he says, if the Constitution allows slavery, it is a damnable doctrine in agreement with hell. Fallacy number five. Christianity is the white man's religion, and black people would not have been exposed to Christianity if it wasn't for slavery. Fallacy five. Christianity is the white man's religion, and black people would not have been exposed to Christianity if it wasn't for slavery. You can deal with that just from history. 
Those enslaved in the Atlantic slave trade were taken from Western Africa. Christianity, 1,500 years before, had gained strongholds throughout Africa, especially in northern, eastern, and southern Africa. Acts chapter 8 tells a story how Christianity spread to Ethiopia. Where's Ethiopia? Okay. Also, a number of the early church fathers were from North Africa. Athanasius of Alexandria, who lived from 296 to 373, was described as a dark-skinned man, was an archdeacon, and a secretary to the Bishop of Alexander. He was known for defending the divinity of Jesus Christ and his co-equality with God the Father. So it wasn't introduced to Africa through slavery. It was already there. Now, yes, we've already proven that people misused it and twisted it, but it doesn't mean the Bible isn't true. So coming down the home stretch, what about black Hebrews? Do y'all want me to close here and just do this next week? Y'all really want me to talk about it today? Y'all sure? So y'all can pay attention. What about black Hebrews? What is being referred to as black Hebrews is a belief that has been around since before the Civil War. Some sects differ on who they define as it, but it believes that African-Americans, Native Americans, and Mexican-Americans are the lost tribes of Israel. You can even study and see that the tribes weren't lost, but that's another message. Those who claim this belief associate themselves with the northern tribes of Israel after they were deported by the Assyrian Empire. This belief at the lowest level, this belief at the lowest level is seemingly harmless. Seemingly and a source for historical debate. But go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. Some are lower levels in this belief, some are higher levels, some are more aggressive with it. You talk to some people and you ask them where they're from and you're expecting like Detroit, Atlanta, Jackson, Los Angeles, and they say Jerusalem. You are not from Jerusalem, child. <laughs> That's what you want to think is not what you said, but, but this is because they believe this. But notice what 1 Timothy 1.4 says. Neither give heed to fables and endless, what's that word? which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in Christ, so do. This word questions can be translated as dispute, and if they're disputes, it would lead to contention or strife. He said, don't go over endless genealogies that's going to cause people to be in contention and breed strife and get into fights. Because where there's envy and strife, there's what? Every evil work. Go to Titus chapter 3, verse 9. Titus 3, verse 9. You just stick with me. I'm going to go through a number of scriptures. So if you're watching online, don't log off because I stepped on your toes. Just pay attention. Titus 3, verse 9. Notice what he says to Titus. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies 
and contentions and strivers about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Paul said that fighting about genealogy is useless, has no profit, and is empty. Now this belief at another level, there are those in this belief espouse that African Americans are the real Jews, and those in Israel today are fakes and imposters. There are those in this belief who espouse that African Americans are the real Jews, and those in Israel today are fakes and imposters. This borders on replacement theology to which Adolf Hitler adhered to, spoke about in his rise to power, and wrote about in Mein Kampf. This thinking and belief led to the Holocaust. This belief at another glance. Any teaching or belief, any teaching or belief, whether it's white supremacy, black consciousness telling you to stay woke, or this belief here, any teaching that teaches you confidence in your flesh, that you are superior because of your genetic makeup and racial background is wrong, prideful, and devilish. Any belief or teaching that teaches you confidence in your flesh, that you are superior because of your genetic makeup and racial background is wrong, prideful, and devilish. Go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, starting with verse 26. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are all one in Christ. One. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. First Corinthians 10, verse 32. First Corinthians 10, verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. There are three groups in the earth. The Jews the Gentiles, and the church. What are the three groups? The Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. You can't be a member of more than one. You're either a Jew, you're a Gentile, or you're part of the church. Got it? Now I like this quote from Bishop Davis. 
He says, nothing's wrong with celebrating ethnic heritage. But when celebrating ethnic heritage leads you to a belief in ethnic superiority, we have abandoned the love of Christ. So you can celebrate Black History Month. You can celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. You can celebrate wherever you came from. Enjoy the history. Enjoy the food. Thank God for it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with lifting every voice and sing to earth and heaven ring. There's nothing wrong with that. You can enjoy it. You can celebrate it. But whenever your celebration of ethnic heritage leads you to believe that you are superior than someone else, you have left the love of Christ and entered into pride and devilish doctrine. This belief at another level. Some in this belief espouse the reason black people have experienced what they have in America is because they have not kept the law. And if they go back to keeping the law, they will be blessed instead of being cursed. So they say black people have gone through what they've gone through in this nation because they have cursed. They are the true Jews. They have left the law. But if they go back to keeping the law, they will be blessed instead of being cursed. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. We talked about that earlier. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. For as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. It's not nice, Paul. Who have bewitched you? Who tricked you? That you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, and the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What happened to these Galatian believers? Someone tricked them, says you have to go back and live by the law, and so they began to go back and do the things under the law. And he says, don't get tied up in what Jesus set you free from. 
Verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith works by love. This word avail means gives you the advantage. In Jesus Christ, being a Jew does not give you an advantage. Not being a Jew does not put you at a disadvantage. What gives you the advantage in Jesus Christ is faith that works by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion comes not of him that calls you. This doctrine didn't come from God. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So even if it's just a little bit of untruth in there, just a tad bit, it'll mess up everything. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Chapter 6, verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. In Christ Jesus, what gives you the advantage? Being born again. Being a new creation in Christ Jesus where all things are passed away, all things are begun, are become new. So to put confidence in your flesh because you are supposedly of the stock of Israel is to go against the entire book of Galatians. To believe that you are cursed and must go back to the law is a slap in the face to the blood of Jesus and is sacrificed for you. As we close... Let's talk about representation in art. In art, during medieval times and after, you see paintings of Middle Easterners depicted as Europeans. Why? Art imitates life. They painted life like what they saw around them. The Jews are Middle Easterners descendants from a man who lived in what is now known as Iraq. If you study the Old Testament, the Jewish race Skin tones range from light to dark. There are different complexions of the Jewish race. So just because you can study the art of the Renaissance or the medieval time and see these pictures, that doesn't mean that's what the Bible was. It's just art. But people are making doctrine off of a picture. That's as foolish as watching a Christian movie and saying, this must be what the Bible says. That could just be imagination. Or Hollywood. Go to what the Bible actually says. They look like Middle Easterners. It was a range of depiction. Go to Psalm 139, 14, and we'll end here. Let's help anybody today. Psalm 139, verse 14. Notice what David says in the psalm. Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So I'll make this statement 
My black is beautiful. It does not need Jewish connections to be beautiful in the eyes of God. God wanted me to be black. That's why I'm black. You should feel that way no matter what your race is. Whether you're white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever you are, you should feel your color is beautiful. Because God made it. Because the thing is, if you think that you have to have some type of heritage or background to be important, that says you have low self-esteem based on your skin color. You should be able to look in the mirror and say, I like that person. Doesn't matter how light you are, how dark you are, you're beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your race does not matter. Your skin color does not matter. We are one in Jesus. And you must know that. You must believe that. And you can't be tricked up by pseudo thought out doctrines. Slickly packaged to make you not believe. My skin color does not determine what I believe. My circumstances do not determine what I believe. My experiences do not determine what I believe. Popular culture or the government does not determine what I believe. I believe the word of God. That's what I stand by. That is what I live by. And it's proven true century after century after century, millennia after millennia after millennia. It is faithful to stand upon. So that's what you live by. That's what you walk by. Don't be tripped up in fallacies. But fulfill 1 Peter 3.15. Give an answer or defense with gentleness and respect for the hope that lies within you. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Does this help anybody today? Does this answer anybody's questions today? Good. Well, every head bow, every eye closed in prayer. Nor moving or walking unless you've been assigned to do so. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.